listening to the White Oak Houston podcast, the official podcast of White Oak Baptist Church in Houston, Texas. White Oak exists to help people come alive to the wonder of the gospel and fully follow Jesus. For more information, please visit us online at whiteoakchurch.net. Jesus says this to many people who are following him in his public ministry. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. May God bless the reading of his word. You can be seated at this time. Well, good morning, church. So good to see you all, as always. Uh, If you're new or visiting, my name is John. I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here at the church. And um, whether you're new or visiting, I just want you to know that I love you, and I'm glad you're here. Um, I take our moment of preaching very seriously, and I, I work hard, and I pray to make sure that this time is beneficial for you and helps you step into whatever the Lord has for you. Um, in your life. And so I love you, and I come not just as a teacher, um, but as someone who loves you, uh, a fellow brother in the faith who wants to see you thrive in the Lord. And so uh, we're continuing a series entitled Bold Gospel. And what we've been doing is, um, if you're new, we're basically replanting our church here in the fall of this year, uh, renaming our church New Day Church, and basically becoming a, a new work. And Um, What we decided to do in leading up to that so that we make sure we're a Jesus-focused and centered church is we're going to basically be preaching through the book of Matthew or the gospel of Matthew from now almost until the new church launches here in the fall. So a lot of sermons going deep in the book of Matthew. And we're pulling out a few different themes. And so we're kind of breaking up the book of Matthew into five different sermon series. And the first of those series is one we're entitling Bold Gospel. Turn to your neighbor and say, Bold Gospel. I need you to know this. And the reason why we're, we're doing this, and one of the convictions behind New Day Church is that um, there was maybe a time in American history where people kind of knew what Christianity was about, but uh, we just don't think that's the case anymore. If you ask somebody, what is the message of Christianity, if they don't tell you something about, it's about the gospel of Jesus or Christ dying on the cross for our sins or uh, God saving us through Jesus, if they don't say something like that, if it's like, well, it's about going to church or being a better person or becoming more moral or something like that, um, then obviously they don't really know what it is. And so we're trying to clarify what Christianity is really about because the power of Christianity is not in the morality of Christianity, it is in the gospel of Christianity. Amen? We are not changed when we try to do more works. We are changed when we place our lives in the hands of Jesus. And this gospel is bold. And if it's going to break through in our day, we have to be bold about that message. It doesn't just come through, right? Maybe you're like, you've ever tried to talk to your friends about Jesus. And the conversation does not just usually randomly come up, right? You know, you're not just like, hey, did did the Astros win? Yeah, what must I do to be saved? You know, like that conversation does not come up, right? So you've got to be bold. Yet the, the sermon title today is Bold Rest. Turn to your neighbor and say, Bold Rest. Man, raise your hand if you need some of that today. Bold, oh my goodness, man. 
Sometimes as a preacher, when I preach sermons, there are ones I'm like, I don't know how many people this is going to connect with, but this is one of the sermons as I was preparing this week. I'm like, man, everybody needs this. I know you're going to be listening in because we need this. And um, God is so funny because um, I am literally exhausted this morning. Um, when I first became a pastor, I was very young and very undisciplined, and so usually I would preach very tired because I wouldn't get much sleep. I'd be working on sermons Saturday night. I'd wake up early. I didn't eat breakfast. I just was, I was a hot mess, you know. Um, but the past couple of years, I've gotten more disciplined. I get good sleep the night before. Um, I, eat a, like, I never eat breakfast, but I eat a huge champion's breakfast on Sunday morning. My wife makes it for me. I eat a bunch of eggs and oatmeal and fruit. I get some coffee in my system, and it's wonderful. And I had that this morning, except the problem was is that I have an eight-month-old that decided this past week that she does not want to be good at sleeping anymore, okay? She was a champ. She was sleeping from seven to seven, and now she's waking up almost every 30 minutes this past week, and we're dying, okay? So if you can pray for my wife and I, I think I probably got three hours of sleep last night, and I woke up, and I'm like, the sermon's titled Bold Rest, God, you're so funny, you know? So he timed that... He timed that perfectly, and so I'm exhausted, and so if I seem out of it, um, just don't worry. I'm just tired. You know, it's just normal. And uh, normally I have water, but I have coffee today for my drink. I never have coffee, so excuse the eyesore, but man, I just need this, okay? So, um, but the sermon is titled Bold Rest because one of the reasons why the gospel is so bold is because it means that we can rest. Like that it calls us to places in our life where we can boldly not be exhausted all the time. And it's okay to rest in the Lord. It's okay to not have to always be on. It's okay not always having to perform and do everything perfect. You don't have to have every area of your life be perfect for God to love and accept you. And that's a really bold message today. And the reason for that is because I have a conviction that we live in a culture where being anxious, burdened, and exhausted is normal. It's just normal. And I don't have to convince you of that because that's your life, and I know that's your life. Um, I talk to a lot of you about life, and, and usually this seems to be the place where most people reside. And as I was thinking about it this week and reflecting on it, it kind of, um, kind of scared me a little bit. Because even as I was writing this, I kind of felt numb in my soul towards these things because it's just so normal for us. Like, isn't that kind of scary how living an anxious life just kind of, it doesn't even seem like all that big of a deal anymore? Just kind of life. Isn't it like terrifying that burdened can be normal for humans? That living exhausted all the time is, is, you know, that's just kind of what it's like. I'm a dad with two little kids, two and under, and so I'm tired all the time. And um, it's just, but it's scary though. It's kind of just expected, right? There's not this standard of life and abundant life and energy and presence. It's like, man, we're just always kind of tired. It's like if your arm got chopped off, you know? Like that's a big deal. But then if everyone's arm gets chopped off, what's the big deal, you know? But your arm is chopped off, okay? That's not good. And so in your life, let me just kind of make break through the noise or break through the malaise. Like, Living an anxious life is not good. Being burdened all the time, it's not good. It's not what God has for you. And and we've got to be willing to admit that. We've got to be willing to admit how tired our soul is and come to the Lord for rest. I just want to declare before you that what Jesus does not have for you is he does not just want you to live a stressed out life and then die. 
That's not what God has for you. And so the question is today, can we live out our callings, fulfill our responsibilities? Because we do have to do a lot of things. We do have to work. We do have to love. We do have to serve. But can we do those things and not be burdened mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally all the time? And the answer is yes. But here's the thing. It's bold. And so often in life, we want extraordinary results from ordinary efforts. And yet to follow Jesus and to follow his teachings in the gospel, it's, it's never normal. It's never small little life tweaks. Like we've got to be open today to what he's going to say and other scriptures we're going to read. And then we just have to respond and be willing to change our lives if it requires it in order for us to find this rest that he has for us. And so let's go back to our text today. Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. I'm going to read this again. He says, this is Jesus speaking to his followers like us. They're tired. They're worn out. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And in this moment, Jesus is speaking to people who are following him. And there's probably two kinds of people that he is speaking to. Uh, One, he's probably speaking to people who are trying to earn their salvation and be good enough for God. And they're following him around. And if they believe he's God, they're trying to impress him with how much, how loving they are and all the good things that they're doing, right? And yet he knows they're exhausted from trying to earn their salvation and earn their right relationship with God, earn heaven when they die. And so he's talking to those people and saying, come to me, let me be your rest, let me be your salvation. But he's also talking maybe to people that already trust in him, being his disciples or the followers. And he's telling them that literally you can rest in this life. He's calling them out of the rat race of life that says, man, I just need one more thing. I need one more success, one more accomplishment, one more accumulation. Because in our culture, I think... Uh, We are often spiritually formed around things like accomplishment. And so our culture wants you to feel better about yourself if you accomplish things. I know I feel that. Also, we're uh, uh, spiritually formed around accumulation. If I get more things, I'll be happier. If I get more things, I'll be rested and in a good place and satisfied. Also around just a general pursuit of pleasure. If I pursue pleasure in the, in the flesh or, or anything, get those dopamine hits in my brain, then I'll feel better. And so maybe it's pursuing drugs or alcohol or sex or just get pleasure. Feel physical pleasure and you'll feel right. And yet Jesus calls us into peace and calls us into rest. And he says that we should be aiming for souls of rest. And yet this is the big idea. If you get one thing today, I just want you to get this. It's that Jesus offers bold rest through a deep relationship. You say, I want this peace. But the answer is, how do I get there? Is it like a file that I download from heaven into my soul? Is it an intellectual pursuit or piece of information that I come to know? And Jesus says, come to me. He speaks of a relationship. There was a Harvard Business Review article that came out a couple years ago that I I filed away because I found it intriguing. And they were looking at burnout in work. And they said that uh, American employees reported uh, being twice as likely to feel burnt out and exhausted at work as opposed to 20 years ago. Once again, alarming. Anxiety is going up. Depression is going up. Those things are becoming just kind of normal standard ways of life. People are feeling burnt out or they're feeling tired in what they're doing. 
And yet what they found in the study was that what they originally thought was if people are burnt out, let's just cut back the hours and they'll be better, right? That kind of makes sense. That's what we often think. Just work less and you'll feel better. And yet they didn't see the results when they cut people's hours back. So they kept studying, and what they found was that the main cause of burnout was not even overwork, though that's a big deal. You don't want to overwork. But the main cause for people who were burnt out was they felt lonely. The lonelier they reported feeling, the more likely they were to burn out in their work. And that's so interesting because Jesus literally says, you will find rest When we step out of loneliness or a works righteousness and step into a relationship with Jesus, he says, come to me. And you have to realize, man, in this time, this language, like Jesus was telling people he was God. And and in that that time, they would think, okay, God, I got to get away. He's so holy. He's he's God. I'm I'm so, he's so reverent. I've got to kind of, kind of be a certain way around him. And yet he keeps inviting them and says, come to me. He says, rest is found in a relationship with me, not in your accomplishments in this life. That's a bold message, isn't it? Like, if you ask yourself honestly today, like, if somebody asks you, man, how do you find rest? Is it really your relationship with God? He uses an image in verse 29, which I don't expect you to understand because we're all, most of us city dwellers here, he says, take my yoke upon you. And uh, I'm a city boy. I never lived in the country. I never want to live in the country. I know some of you say that. Um, I vacation in the country, you know, but I like the city. I love the amenities and I'm proud of it. And, uh, you know, I know all y'all say y'all want to live in the country, but nobody ever does it. So you're all just lying, you know, like you're here because you want to be here. You know, country's nice to visit, but that's just my opinion, whatever. Um, but once again, we're not rural people. And so this analogy would have been understandable to them. But we're like, what's a yoke, you know? And I learned a couple years ago when I preached this text what a yoke was. Obviously, it's like, you know, when two oxen uh, carry a plow, the, the wooden bar that kind of connects them, that's the yoke. And so what Jesus is saying is not just take my yoke as in he gives it to you, but like he's already yoked into this thing. He's pulling your life and he wants to pull it alongside you and with you. By saying take my yoke upon you, he's not just saying I'm going to carry it with you. He's inviting you into a relationship. Come walk side by side with me in your life. Learn from me and then you will find rest for your soul. And when two oxen were carrying a plow, it would be expected that one was stronger than the other. And so the weaker one would learn from the stronger one and would build up its strength. And so Jesus is inviting us into this kind of a relationship. And so what he's saying here is that peace and rest and renewal, it's not just a blessing, not just a file that we download, but it is a relationship with Jesus. And then here's the lie of our day. And here's the reason why we don't do this. And I thought this, I probably still think this, and you probably do too, that the great lie of our day is this, is that I will rest when everything is done. Isn't that what we say? I will rest and I'll be satisfied and happy with my life when everything is done. But what's the problem with that, church? It's never done, right? I mean, has your job ever been done? Like, is your employer, like, you've done everything, you know, just rest for the next 10 years, man. You, you nailed it, Right? No, it's like you, you get your work done, they give you more work. That's kind of how it works. Right? Oh, you can do more. Let me just double your workload and not double your pay. That's how it goes, right? <laughs> work is never finished. Your kids always have more needs. 
wanderlust always has one more vacation destination that you want to get to before you're satisfied with having seen the world, whatever your thing is. And the problem is that desire is infinite. You're always going to desire more things. Dallas Willard, an amazing theologian from the 20th century who's gone home to be with the Lord and disciples, says it this way. He says it way better than I ever could. He says, desire is infinite partly because we were made by God, made for God, made to need God, and made to run to God. We can be satisfied only by the one who is infinite, eternal, and able to supply all of our needs. We are only at home in God. When we fall away from God, the desire for the infinite remains, it makes sense, but it is displaced upon things that will certainly lead us to destruction. So when our aim is money, we keep accumulating money, but our desire for it is infinite and it cannot satisfy us. When we pursue pleasure or accomplishment, there's always more and it's never satisfying. And so like if the money you've already accumulated didn't satisfy you, why would more money satisfy you? That's what we think. And if all of the, I mean, hopefully in your life you've accomplished a few things. If all that didn't satisfy you, why would more accomplishment satisfy you? And so Jesus is exposing this and saying, man, if you really want rest, come to me. I am clearly the place to find it. And what I want you to know, church, is that a relationship with Jesus is not just one more thing to do. It's not like I've got all these things and my relationship with Jesus is over here. Yet a relationship with Jesus is a rejuvenating home base at the center of your life that helps you flourish in everything you do. Jesus wants to be yoked with you. And so it's not like you have your marriage here and your walk with God here. It's like your walk with God is the center of everything. It is your home base. It is your center. And from that, your marriage and your kids and your job and your responsibilities and your church life and everything flows out of this place. You see, following Jesus does not mean you don't do anything in life. We are called to do a lot of things. We're called to accomplish. Those are good things to do. And yet we are called to do those things out of a healthy spiritual soul. My prayer, and it's literally on my prayer list, I can show it to you on my phone every day as a pastor, I pray that I'd be a healthy leader spiritually. I don't pray to be a dynamic leader. I don't pray to be a charismatic leader. I don't pray to be a smart leader. I just want to be healthy because I believe that if I'm healthy in the Lord, that I will just interact with people and I will do the right things and God will lead me. If I'm healthy, then I will be helpful to people. In John 15, verse 5, uh, I, I, and I, I just encourage you to memorize this verse. It's so important. John 15, 5, Jesus says it like this. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And so Jesus wants to be your source of strength. And then Psalm 1 verses 1 through 3 says it like this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is where? In the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all he does, he prospers. And that is normal. Is that we would produce much fruit, do great things for the Lord, but from a rested, peaceful soul. 
In verse 29, he says, you will find rest for your soul. And just really quick before we give some application, I just want to speak just really, I think, relevantly to your life. Because I've talked to a lot of people, and even in my own life, I've kind of experienced what rests me and what doesn't. And a a key distinction that I have learned is that um, Christian rest is not about removal, but it's about renewal. Because so often what we do is uh, we're stressed or we're tired or we're worn out. And we turn to things like Netflix, which nothing wrong with Netflix. I love Netflix. I watch Netflix, right? But we kind of come to things that they don't really renew us. They just remove us. And maybe you forget about your stress for a while or you forget about how weary you are. And so we numb it with things like Netflix or television or, or we numb it with alcohol or pursuit of pleasure or, or we numb it with a friend that kind of distracts us because they're funny or something, right? And we're removing ourselves. But the challenge here is not removal, it is renewal. What Jesus wants for your soul is for it to be coming back to vibrant life, for you to be happy and to be optimistic about your life with the Lord. God is wanting us to not feel weary, not to feel like everything is is so difficult, and so we should be aiming not to just remove ourselves, right, from our pain or from our tiredness, but seeking renewal. And Jesus says, when you seek me, then, verse 29, you will find rest for your soul. So let me give you some quick application here really quick. First is this, if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, and if you're not sure if you're a Christian, if you're not sure if you've ever given your life to Jesus, most likely you probably never have. And so if if you're on the outside of Christianity looking in today and you're kind of figuring it out, uh, the application here is different for you than it would be for a believer. And for you, the application and what Jesus would be speaking to you through this passage would be to stop trying to earn your salvation and trust in the gospel or the good news of Jesus. For you, you're tired because you're trying to uh, prove yourself in this life. You're trying to um, go to heaven when you die by being a good person and doing a bunch of good deeds. You're tired because you don't even really know what you're searching for in this life. Like, like you don't really know um, who God is, and yet you're seeking to have a good life, and yet you don't know who sets the standard for a good life. And so for, for you, Jesus would be speaking today to stop trying to earn your salvation or your right standing with God, and to trust in the gospel of Jesus, which says that it is because Christ died, who was God, on the cross for your sins in your place. That is why you're forgiven, because we're all sinful people. Romans 3.23, we've all fallen short. You're not better than me. I'm not better than you. We're all sinful, messed up, wretched people, right? God is holy. And yet the way that we reconcile that is because God came down in Christ and died in your place. And when we place our trust in him, we are saved. And that's a bold message, man, because it's like you don't have to earn it. And you can rest. You don't have to live worried that am I doing enough good things, right? God calls you out of that stress and into a life of grace, The gospel fixes our striving. The gospel says that Jesus wants to be your God because everybody has a God. Some people, their God is their self. Some people, their God is the approval of others. Their God is pleasure. Their God is accomplishment. Their God is a false God. Their God is a human relationship. And yet Jesus clearly states in the gospels that he's the way, the truth, the life. He is the one true God. And we get to choose who our God is. And so let's choose Christ. Will you give your life to Jesus today? Will you place your trust in him? Will you place your faith in him? Will you give up your striving and receive the free gift? Will will you quit trying to unlock a door that God has already opened for you? 
And so your application here is to trust in Jesus. And if you want to let us know about that, you can talk to us after the service. You can come to us during communion. You can pray with us. You can sign up for um, baptism um, at the back sign-up area, whatever it takes, but take that step. But for many of you, you're probably already Christians, and you're still tired, you know, and you're like, hmm, why is this? And this is what I would say to you. I would say to expand your discipleship to include non-negotiable patterns of bold Sabbath rest. All of us here today, we are trying to grow in our discipleship. It's exciting that, like, to think that we can walk in here today and walk out with a whole new area of our life surrendered to the Lord. We can grow today by the power of the Spirit. And I say that because in verse 29, Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and what? Learn from me. That could also be translated, take my yoke upon you and be my disciple, be a learner of me. He says, I'm going to teach you how to do life. And if in the scriptures we're clearly called to do work, and we have to learn how to do work, then would it not also make sense that if we're called to rest as well, because his burden is easy and it's light, and if we're called to, to be able to rest, then we also have to learn how to rest. And the problem is for many of us, you think you know how to rest, but you don't. I learned this a few years back when I became like a, a real adult. Um, for some reason, when I was in high school, to me, a day of rest was like just sitting on the couch and doing nothing and strumming the guitar a little bit and like watching, I don't know, MTV or something and, you know, maybe playing basketball if I felt like it, eating honey buns and Cheetos and the, the pizzas, the Totino's pizzas that you get for 98 cents, you know, like to me that was resting. And then I became an adult and I realized, man, like I couldn't rest on my day off. Like I was always anxious the whole time, right? And I, I realized for me that that rest is not just sitting around doing nothing, but it's um, going out and working on my yard or, or going and having a conversation with somebody. It's something out of my normal rhythm, but it's not just laying around doing nothing. That's stressful to me, Right? And so I had to learn how to rest, and Jesus wants to teach us to do that. And so what I would point out today is that if for you, if working is non-negotiable, which for most of you, you're probably going to go to work five days this week if, you, you know, if you're a working person, right? You're not just going to like, ah, working is optional today on Tuesday. I'm just not going to go, right? You know, or at the very least, you know, there's consequences for that. And, you know, let's be honest. We think rest is optional. Working is essential, non-negotiable. It's got to happen, and rest is something I do if I get around to it. And yet when we remove ourselves from our normal responsibilities, whenever we rest, we proclaim the gospel. That, that we can rest, that life still goes on, that God is still producing, that God is still providing. And yet I can rest for a day and enjoy the Lord. Turn to Exodus 20 with me. It's our last passage for this morning, Exodus 20, just verses 8 through 11. I want to read this from an Old Testament perspective and then kind of relate it with us today. I mean, I really enjoyed studying this this week. It was just such a good reminder for me. Exodus 20, starting in verse 8. And think about this is one of the Ten Commandments. So like the ten greatest hits. This is a big deal. This is not some random Old Testament passage. This is like the big 10 in God's eyes for God's people to, be, to actually live like his people. He says this, remember the Sabbath day. That would have meant, the word Sabbath just means rest. Remember the Sabbath day or the rest day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor 
and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall, do, you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And what we see here is that from the beginning of creation, God has emphasized rest. In the beginning, when God created the world, he rested on the seventh day. From the very beginning. And then the Ten Commandments, right? One of the big ten was to remember the Sabbath, to, to observe rest, a rhythm of rest in your life. And then Jesus says, come to me all who labor are heavy laden. My yoke is easy and my burden is light, meaning it's not 24-7 accomplishment. It is all throughout the scriptures. And yet what I realized this week is of all the Ten Commandments, right, this is the one I think that maybe for most of us we overlook. People are like, well, should we still uh, observe the Sabbath today? I know we're in the New Covenant, not the Old Covenant. And, and the answer is, though I think there is more grace in how we do these things today, think of all the other Ten Commandments. Is God cool with murder now? You're in the new covenant. You can just kill people now, right? No. Is God cool with stealing now? It's like that was just Old Testament stuff. Now just steal away. Is God cool with coveting now? Is God cool with worshiping other gods besides him now? And so, oh no, murder, that's really bad. And, oh, stealing, that's bad. And coveting your neighbor's spouse, oh, that's really, that's really bad. Worshiping other gods, that's bad. It's like resting, uh, you know, I'm busy, you know? It's like, And the reason why that one seems so low-key for us is because we are so shaped by our culture and not by the Word of God. I believe that if we were fully shaped by God's Word, that we would see rest as just of a big deal as not murdering somebody or stealing. From the beginning of creation, God has emphasized rest. Listen to verse 8. God tells His people, Remember the Sabbath. And so once again, remember how I said expand your discipleship to include non-negotiable patterns of bold rest? What that means is that we remember the Sabbath day. The word remember means don't forget. You're smart, you know that, right? Don't forget. Meaning regularly practice it. You're going to forget it, but remember it. Remember means have it set, have it planned, have it protected, do it consistently. Uh, for most people, uh, Sunday is, is a good day for their Sabbath because normally you're working, but on Sunday you go to church and you see your friends and you're with your family more and you can go get lunch and you can rest afterwards. And Sunday's a good day for a lot of people. Uh, I'm a pastor and so it's my big work day. So my, my day off is, is on Monday. It used to be Friday, but I could never rest on Friday. So I moved it to Monday because Sunday is six days away. And so on Monday, be praying for me because I'm exhausted, you know. <laughs> Monday, pray for me. That's kind of the day that I'm, I'm resting and, and rejuvenating. And yet I think maybe even the most, part, most important part is when he says to keep it holy. Because the word holy basically means to keep it different and set apart. When God says that he is holy in the Old Testament, what he's saying is he's different, he's unique, meaning that he's perfect. But when it comes to the Sabbath, to keep the Sabbath holy, it basically means have a day in your week or, or a rhythm in your week that is different from the rest of your week. So for me, 
On my Sabbath day, the day when I rest, I don't go to work, I don't check email, <laughs> I don't get on social media, I exercise, I spend more time with my kids, I nap if I can, uh, I journal, and all those kinds of things. Like, it's like a very different kind of day for me. And we don't have to be legalistic about it because in Romans 14, 5, Paul says, one person esteems one day better than another while another esteems all days alike. Yet each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. And so what he says is when it comes to rest and, and observing certain days, it's not so much about do you have the perfect day, but it's about do you have a day? Or do you have a rhythm? The, the, the Jewish Sabbath was um, Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. So it was almost kind of like two half days in a sense. But the reality is, is I would hope that as a disciple of Jesus, that when I ask you, when is your weekly moment of rest, that you would clearly be able to tell me when that moment is, and that you would have it protected, and that you would also have it prepared. One of the things that's helped me very practically um, that I learned the hard way um, was the same way how it said earlier in our text, how they would literally, um, they wouldn't do any of their work on the Sabbath, and so during that week, they would have six days to get all their stuff ready so they, they would have food on the seventh day. And so run that errand on another day, right? Like prepare yourself to have the window to rest and relax. And so as we draw to a close, I just want to remind you once again, as a Christian, as a disciple growing in the Lord, that the gospel of Jesus is the sweet spot between work and rest meaning that we are called to work and do things and you should grind and you should work hard at your job and you should uh, take pride in the excellence of it. But that also we are people of rest. We are not people of nonstop addiction to work. I'll kind of illustrate this just really quick in a, an illustration. Um, if you're like me, you love when the sun comes out and the past two weeks have just been blah. Blah. You know, a lot of, like even right now, it's just dark and gray and overcast. And I was working on this sermon um, this past Friday, and I took a break because I've been working on it for too long, and I went and took a walk outside. And as I walked outside, I could tell, it looks really pretty out here. What's going on, you know? And I was like, oh, the sun is, I forgot about the sun, that the sun existed, you know? And as I walked from under the covered area out into the open area, I had that moment, maybe you've had that moment before, where you can literally feel the warmth of, your, of the sun hitting your skin on a perfect weather day, and it feels so good. I could feel the sun, and it was warming me, and it was just this moment of just sheer wonder. And this thought crossed my mind that in that moment— <laughs> The warmth that I was feeling was literally a ray that is radiating off of a massive fireball 92 million miles away from me in that moment that is a million times bigger than the earth, that I'm feeling the warmth from that thing. It's 92 million miles away. It's streaming through the solar system and it's touching my skin, and it feels good. But then I reflected on my third grade wisdom that I learned way back in the day, which said that if I was closer to this massive fireball, I would literally burn up and die. And you would too, by the way. 
And yet if I was too far from the massive fireball, I would freeze to death and die. And yet when you feel the warmth of the sun on, the, on your skin, you are in the perfect sweet spot to where you don't freeze, you don't burn, and you don't even just live. It feels good. And it reminded me of Psalm 19, verse 7, when it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. And you need a rhythm in your life because if you get too close to work, you're going to burn up and die. Literally burn out, as they say. And if you're too far from work, if you're lazy, you're going to waste your life. And yet the gospel is this perfect sweet spot of work and rest where it's like, man, do great things, accomplish things, work really hard, but also take time to remember you can rest that we want to be healthy on those six days. We want to be thriving on those six days. And so if you're weary or heavy laden today, man, I just want to call you into Sabbath, into rest, and for you to know that you were created to work, but you were also created to rest. Let's pray. Let's see what the Lord can do in our life. Father, we thank you for this reminder Lord, we just confess of all the the Ten Commandments and of maybe all the commandments in Scripture that rest might be the one we forget the most. God, would you just remind us that you work on our behalf? That even when we're not working and, you know, hanging out with the kids and watching them and doing our job or, or keeping the yard, even when we're not doing those things, God, that you're still sustaining the universe that you're still providing the air that we need, the right temperature of weather that we need, that you're providing the community we need, that you are sustaining everything. Would you give us moments to rest and to be rejuvenated in that? Lord, we boldly proclaim the gospel and we say that we're not gonna be workaholics. And we're gonna be able to rest And I pray that those around us would see our moments of rest, would see our moments of Sabbath, and that we would proclaim the gospel in what we don't do just as much in what we do do. I love you, Lord. I thank you for this invitation. I just pray that all of us would take you up on it this week and for the rest of our life. I pray all this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.